Welcome to Movie-ish. Today we're going to discuss this week's movie news, talk about the new Hawkeye trailer, and then review What If Episode 6 and the new horror film by James Wan, Malignant. Alright, JD, how have you been this week? What have you been up to? Um, I've been working, so, you know, kind of bored. You know, I watched some a couple of different movies, some of which we'll talk about today. Been catching up on some TV here and there. Reading, as per usual. That's good. I have a stack of like twenty books next to me, so gotta kind of read. Yeah, I think this week I've read about a fifth of the Great Hunt, which is the second Wheel of Time book. Um, I'm almost done with it, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, we're not gonna discuss this in this episode, but I finished Val, which was a fantastic documentary for anybody who's looking for that kind of thing. It makes me want to watch Tombstone, which I've never seen. Did you ever watch that movie? No, but I've heard a lot of people say that after reading Val. They're like, dude, I just want to go watch Tombstone. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, intrigued. I have no, I really didn't know anything about the movie at all plays um shit doc holiday doc holiday yeah yeah who's like this <clears throat> this character that is just seeped into uh pop culture and i literally mm-hmm. know nothing about the character it's like a also staple, watching uh, like a western staple character right i've also been watching the sopranos i'm still trucking through the second season I better keep watching that uh, prequel movie comes out in a couple weeks. Yeah, dude, there's no way. There's absolutely no way I'm going to (laughs) be caught up by the time that movie comes out. And I don't think we have any plans to review it, so, like, I'll just do this. I mean, I haven't watched The Sopranos, so, yeah, that's not, like, a review. That can be in a different little segment. All right, you want to get into the news? On this week's news, we're going to start off with the trailer for Guillermo del Toro's next feature film, Nightmare Alley. He actually, this is the first movie he is directing since The Shape of Water. So that's like, what, probably four or five years, I think. Um, yeah, so I the trailer literally dropped right before we started recording. So I actually didn't even get a chance to watch it. Parker got to watch it. But I saw some of like the, the photos they released. It has that very like gothic kind of aesthetic, you know, very lived into that del toro does very well um parker i heard you say though it like it seems to take place around a circus yeah like it looks like the circus is the um some sort of setting that this takes place in uh what's his name yeah bradley cooper appears to be some sort of um like uh Somebody, what are they called? The people who read cards, like tarot cards, some sort of psychic. It looks oh, that's exciting. Interesting. interesting. I mean, look, this is probably gonna give me mild nightmares. Yeah, Del Toro can do some really creepy inter- imagery, and uh, circuses kind of bother me. It's got a stat cast including Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette. Uh, I'm pretty sure Willem Dafoe, Rooney Mara. Also, his staple, Ron Perlman. And actually, Richard Jenkins as well, who looks like he's going to be another staple of Del Toro's. But, yeah, I mean, I like Del Toro a lot. I love a lot of his work. Um, 
since the Hellboy movies, those were like really my first entry into him. But then I've seen Pan's Labyrinth. I've loved The Shape of Water. I know you couldn't get into it, but I, I'm excited for this movie. Right, and I, I'm hoping like with this movie coming out, I can try to uh, go back and rewatch his stuff. Like maybe give The Shape of Water another chance. I've never seen Pan's Labyrinth, and I'd love to watch it. So Pan's hopefully Labyrinth with this. With this on the horizon, I can uh, attempt to get back into his work again. Yeah, and the d- release date is this December, so it's actually kind of a late first look because, like, outside of just the announcement of it and, like, there was a cast announced, but this movie comes out December 2nd, and this is the first look just a little over two months out. Um, Next up, the new uh, kind of comedy on hulu only murders in the building was renewed for a season two i have watched this i'm up to date on it i know parker hasn't um it's a really fun comedy it's kind of poking fun at like the whole culture right now of like true crime podcasts and like playing on that concept it the cast is steve martin martin short and then uh selena gomez and they're all so funny so great in this um it's definitely worth a watch I, I didn't even know this was a thing until you put it in the notes. Steve Martin and Martin Shorter in this? Oh, my God. They're so funny. And it's a TVMA show, so they're, like, fully kind of going at things sometimes. Yeah, it's – like, they all produce it, too. So I I don't know if it was, like, something they just all got attached to, but I think Steve Martin and Martin Short kind of were, like, a creative, for like, connection to it, and then Selena Gomez came into it. But I could be in Oh, I love it. that. I literally have a note that i'm saying like i don't really care about this i didn't do any research into it you had this in here and i was like i'm just gonna let jd take the reins but i'm like i'm fully invested i'm gonna watch this this week there's it's it's a really good show there's actually like it is first and foremost mostly a comedy i'd say it's almost a dramedy really because there is some heart to it there is some they put some depth to their characters and it does have actually an interesting little mystery at the core of it that this group is trying to solve so it's about halfway through season season one now uh season two i'm excited for it that also just i'm well i'm curious i'm not going to talk too much on this we can maybe if you ever get to watch it at the end of the like by the end of the first season we can come back to it all right next up christopher nolan is making his next film with universal and this comes after um he was the biggest voice out of like popular directors against the uh warner brother was the big studio who decided to do all their new movies this year, day and date in HBO max. And <clears throat> Christopher Nolan was a hundred percent against this. He's very much for the theatrical experience. He was livid and Nolan has made all his movies through Warner brothers. He was so mad. He left Warner brothers, but his next movie is going to be revolving around um, Robert Oppenheimer. So that is definitely like an intriguing concept um honestly i like nolan even if tenet in my mind was maybe too nolan-y at times like nolan at somehow his best and his worst in one film yeah i'm excited i I would agree with that i think like this will probably be more so uh, a dunkirk-esque film where he's taking an actual historical event group of people whatever and like putting his own flavor on this story which really we don't have that many like we don't have any shows or movies about this uh uh set with like 
the making of the atomic bomb or the Manhattan Project. So, like, this is kind of exciting. I think he's... I mean, with Dunkirk, he's only really done it the once, but, like, taking some historical event that we don't really know that much about and putting his own spin on it. Dunkirk, I think, is one of his best films. I don't know how you feel about it. I like Dunkirk a lot, but it is not... And, I, I like, I think it's probably one of his through-and-through best, like efforts as a director i think i've only actually seen it the one time in theaters oh, and then i've no seen way. bits of it because i think i think you were watching it once and i caught bits of it with you but yeah right. it's not one of like it's not one of those that like i really want to watch this again you know right i probably and, will I mean, somewhere like, down the line but that's just the yeah. kind of like the, the feel of that film yeah yeah and i mean this goes back to like i really love war movies especially movies that take place world war one world war two so like that movie struck a nerve with me but um well in the thing I'm about dunkirk I'm... just to like <clears throat> spin off that just a little bit is dunkirk is like a lesser explored part in the whole scope of like the world war one world war two movies so that was what did i think been it like it was a benefit of that film yeah i am so uh nolan is probably my favorite director and i know like if you go on Twitter, people who say that get a lot of flack. But I absolutely love every movie he's made. Um, maybe not Dark Knight Rises. But um, he, I think he's just such a unique voice at the moment. And so um, I'll watch anything he comes out with. Yeah, no. And I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily my favorite, but he's definitely top five of those currently working. He, uh, He's a unique voice. He is very great at spinning a story even like i just i really he can really pull you in so <clears throat> nolan's uh nolan had a list of demands for uh making this film he wanted a hundred million dollar budget for the film a hundred million dollar marketing budget he wanted 20 percent of the f first day or first like cut gross and then um he wants a hundred day theatrical release guaranteed, which I think is interesting because I mean, they're moving to a 45 day release right now due to the COVID change. But, um, I don't even know if movies before COVID were still doing a hundred day releases. <laughs> there was a quick turnaround. That's like already like, okay, dude, but universal wanted universal doesn't have a, like a, a, a huge library in the IP department. They have Jurassic park and fast and furious. <laughs> so, Right, so they, I, I feel like they'll do anything to get, like, a Nolan or, a, you know, they might even get a, a Villeneuve here after this Dune situation, which I feel like HBO, or who is it, um, WB is, is going to work with them, or work with him, sorry, uh, but it's, it's, I think it's hysterical how the, covid has affected the movie industry in this way do you know what i mean like yeah and i mean a lot of people have just seen it as like a uh acceleration of something that was inevitable in a way right 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 um we'll see how much we bounce back you know we're still in these times so but yeah so maybe i think universal is just like yeah come on you can we can be your new home we'll do anything yeah parroting off the whole hbo max thing uh a spinoff for colin fair a spinoff for colin farrell's penguin is in development in hbo max 
So this is the second spinoff in development out of like Matt Reeves, the Batman. And the Wait, movie isn't the even out one? yet. There's like a Gotham PD spinoff that is supposed to be like take place before the movie. So like the movie, oh, the Batman no is like a year two story. Right, right, right. So the Gotham PD is supposed to be during like Batman's first like year when he first starts appearing up, but it's from the Whoa. police department's point of view. I didn't know that. I don't know how I missed that. I'm wicked yeah, I mean, excited for this. The the penguin yeah. uh spinoff. Yeah, uh Farrell has come out before and said he's only in like four or five scenes in the movie, like a relatively small part, and that was like kind of an expectation in my mind. This movie it has a stacked cast and it's clear they're trying to build a world so like having him kind of appear and maybe like it's like a, a through line is like the growth of penguin as the mob boss so giving the show the biggest thing that'll be interesting about this is mostly timeline is this before the movie is it in between movies like is it like gonna be a, like a mini series or is it gonna be a constant like i don't know i lean towards mini series most likely but we'll see i was about to say like i hope this is a mini series i don't want this to be some weird ongoing thing i want it to be a movie but uh given five episodes that they can really dive into this character and we can flesh it out and then or he even... pops back up in like the se- the sequel and it's like uh, right 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 we totally understand exactly like give us more understanding and context for colin farrell's penguin um in the movie i i'm excited i hope dc continues to do stuff like this because yeah i mean they're also doing the green lantern show which is like it's clear that despite the dc failings in wb they seem to be more in the right path so uh we'll see how it goes so season three of Succession is going to premiere October 17th. JD and I have both watched the first two seasons. I'm about to go through and rewatch. I've already rewatched the first season, and I'm going to go and rewatch the second. I love the show. I love the cast. I love the story. I cannot wait for this to come out October 17th. The first season, it takes a couple episodes for it to really find right. its like footing and find what it is going to be. But that second season is literally a masterpiece. Yeah, like I remember absolutely. the ending, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I don't know if you noticed this, but they released like three posters for it. And yes, excellent post- marketing. Yeah. Oh my god, it, it, I think it works so well because it's like, honestly, going in, I don't know who's going to be on whose side, but right. I am. Uh, hundred percent ready for this um i'm just kind of ready because you know even though we were living in covid times with the tv they couldn't continue the production with the ongoing shows so it's still been a while for like something like this i guess yeah it's been too long i want to to watch the continuation of this story i think it is top tier writing at the moment um i can't wait to see how the we won't get into spoilers today hopefully we'll you know review this as it comes out uh but like i just want to see the effects of the first two seasons oh yeah 100 percent. and i think they've been on record saying the show is only going to last four maybe five seasons so you know this is this season will be building towards an end game right and jd and i have discussed that is the absolute best way for a show to operate like knowing this is going to be a five four or five season story like think breaking bad like 
that's obviously the best way to to tell a story with an end in sight yeah. knowing what you're writing towards yeah i mean and that's why like broadcast like your big cable network tv is like dying like i can't remember the last time i watched a tv show that came in came on something like that um Haley atwell is going to be voicing laura croft in a tomb raider anime series for netflix this is something that i think i remember hearing about and i totally forgot about but i mean laura croft's cool <laughs> that's literally really cool <laughs> that is my notes for this it's just cool like that sounds exciting i don't know if i'm super interested i've never gotten to tomb raider um also not a huge like anime guy but uh i wish it the best i hope it does well um yeah it I sounds mean, they're calling it cool. anime but it's like uh netflix has done this they just did this with the witcher um they did like a little animated movie prequel movie and it's anime but it's just it's it's american animation and they're just oh, copying okay. the style of stylization yeah i guess i don't know exactly where anime ends and like american i don't know like anime adaptations begin it's um, just depending on who you ask oh really okay i don't know Honestly, anything about it like if you bring up avatar the last airbender that's like a big argument is like is it anime is it not some people are like yes it's definitely anime and some people are like no it's made in america it can't be anime and i'm like I whatever all right um the knives out sequel wrapped production this past week um i can say with absolute certainty that I'm a whatever year this movie comes out, which I'm assuming will be next year. This would be my most anticipated, and if it's not, if there is another project, it is two or three, like absolutely without a doubt. Yeah, this is absolutely like number one slot, maybe number two slot, most anticipated film for me next year or whenever it comes out. Ryan Johnson is a genius. I love everything that he's done. Um, I cannot wait to see uh, what is it, Benoit Blanc. I love Benoit Blanc. I love Benoit Blanc. I just Knives love seeing so Daniel good. Craig having fun. Like, he was having a blast playing this character. And I love that they're doing the smart choice with this sequel where he is the only constant. It is an entirely new cast. Um, I can pull that up real quick if you wish. I mean, it's stacked. It is stacked. And, and I mean, it's not only watching the movie, the original, the watching Knives Out, um, you can tell that it's not only Daniel Craig who's having fun. Everybody's everybody. having a blast making this movie. It is everybody. so good. You can tell everybody loves it. Everybody's heart is in it, uh, including Ryan Johnson's. I think Knives Out might be one of the best movies of the past least. Of the past, oh, dude, I was about to say the last 10 years. Yeah, past decade, it is top tier cinema. So yeah. good. Yeah, and the cast is stacked. I mean, obviously, you've got Daniel Craig back. Daniel Craig back as Benoit Blanc. You've got Dave Batista, Ethan Hawke, Edward Norton, Catherine Hahn, Kate Hudson, Janelle Monet, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, and then uh, Madeline Klein. So it's like a good, it's a similar mixture to the first one where it is like, some big names who are established through the years, some people that are maybe newer into acting and in even bringing people in who have not necessarily been in the spotlight of acting for a while. Like a Kate Hudson is how I'd describe her. 
yeah, I am. I am so intrigued to see these actors in a Knives Out universe film. Like, I cannot I, wait. I think it's going to be so interesting. I mean, we can start speculating. I want to say, from what I've heard, I mean, I know it takes place in, like, Greece, like a hotel. And I think, from what I've heard, it's either Ethan Hawke or Edward Norton are, gonna, are playing the character that is, like, I think he dies. I think it's going to be another murder mystery, but I think it's one of those two. I um, think Ethan Hawke... There might have been set photos of him like holding a gun, so he might be. So then it's Edward it Norton. Edward bit. Norton is playing the character who's murdered. I think then I just, those two are like two actors that I actually get mixed up a lot. They just kind of look a lot alike, and they like their names are similar. So it's like if it was just one of them, I'd be like, oh, it was him. But for some reason, in this context, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, American History X has separated Edward Norton from every other actor in my mind. Dude, that's a. Yeah, um, I mean, like you and I are both big Agatha Christie fans, so like, oh yeah, I've we love a um, solid like third of the Poirot books, and I love all, a bunch for other ones. Poirot's great. So we're definitely a little biased towards this genre, but if Ryan Johnson can make another, you know, uh, gentleman sleuth film that kind of turns the uh, genre on its head. I, he's a genius. I, you know, like I have full faith he's gonna make this film fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, we're not only getting this one. I think the deal he made with Netflix, him, Daniel Craig, and Netflix. Uh, I think a third one is also guaranteed. Right. Uh, we also uh, found out that Disney's remaining films will be released solely theatrically for forty-five days and then put on Disney Plus. Which I think this plan is. Uh, you know, it's. I think it's fine. Like, I think it's a really solid mix of you know making people happy. I normally see like the Disney movies that I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see opening day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think this works. Yeah, I mean, I think this is perfectly fine. I didn't. I think this is in reaction to. <clears throat> dear God, me and you are both doing that a lot this episode, and I don't know why. <laughs> like, what is wrong with us? <clears throat> I think this is in reaction to two things. Um, A, Shang-Chi did absolutely fantastic at the box office. And B, they still have that Scarlett Johansson lawsuit floating around. And they're just like, you know, it's screw Shang-Chi did good. And we don't want to deal with something else like this again. Um, what was funny to me is, like, I saw this in an article. And it had, like, a picture of, like, the movies it was referring to. And it was, of course, like, Eternals. Um there's another like actual straight Disney movie. I can't remember what it was, but then it showed like some of their Fox movies, like the last duel. I was like, I don't think that's going to Disney plus guys. I don't, I don't know how that, that, like, how does that work? Do they have like a Fox section? I haven't been on Disney plus and like actually I looked think, around in forever. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it depends on, um, like, content on essentially. Hulu? Like they, I don't, yeah, like, I think they put, I think the last duel end up on Hulu. I don't think there's any rated R movies on Disney Plus, um, and I think there's like an international model where it's gonna have the Fox stuff, but I don't know if that necessarily applies to America because you know there's there's so many different licensing deals with the streaming services, and some of them still oh. don't work in other areas. Like there's it, it yeah. gets convoluted, but yeah, like living in Germany trying to watch Game of Thrones on HBO was a nightmare. 
like it just doesn't work over there you have to use what are those things called like vpns or whatever yeah vpn yeah all right on to the last news story marvel has planted four more release dates so marvel actually has its release dates through 2023 right now and the slate for those like the announced slate goes to may of 2023 i think the last one is um i think the last one is guardians of the galaxy volume 3 that is the may 2023 date there's two more release dates in 2023 that have already been announced it is like a july and an october date i think those we still don't know what those are but after that we're going to get a movie uh, february 16th 2024 may 3rd 2024 july 26 2024 and november 8th 2024 so i was going to open the floor up on this one kind of give your takes on what could possibly be in these four dates as well as those two from 2023 um to run through some announced films that don't have dates yet you have blade fantastic four deadpool 3 is in contention uh captain america 4 with uh falcon the new i mean sam wilson is captain america he's not falcon anymore (laughs) and uh, i'm trying to think i think there's one more movie those might be the big four and then but yeah i think those are the four that are truly announced fully like they have working going on so what are your thoughts i mean that is three years in the future <laughs> could we perhaps see x-men or oh no i definitely think like a ju- one of the that july or november date i think that's definitely an x-men or a mutant related right. That, uh, that is kind of product. my, uh, what I'm leaning towards. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they came out and said we might get a Nova or um, some yeah, other, Nova. like, characters Cosmic. that, cosmic characters, um, or even just characters that were all kind of like, oh, like, I'd love to see X or I'd love to see Y uh, pop up. But I'm definitely feeling X-Men and Nova. I don't know. That's, like, what, six dates? Six, uh like non-confirmed movie dates yeah yeah so to give you a little run through of what my thought is on it i'm thinking july 2023 is most likely fantastic four the only thing holding me from thinking that's fantastic four is just them just wanting to go for the clever marketing of have it release in 2024 fantastic four 2024 but i feel like that one's further in development so i feel like we're gonna get that in 2023 I think Blade is going to be the October date. Blade, Halloween, I think that just works yeah, really well. Blade's definitely coming out in 2023. Like, we've been given a hint in Loki that vampires exist in this universe. Yeah. So that's coming out soon. Then I would say the February date is Deadpool 3. Um, I think Deadpool is better in an off... I mean, it's not even really an off date anymore. Blockbusters yeah, can happen whenever, but... And then there has been some speculation because you got to think by 2024, that's five years removed from Avengers Endgame. Some people think 2024 will be the year that we get the next big event film, whether it is an Avengers in name or something else. But some people think that'll come in because you got to remember, we're getting our secret invasion show most likely in late 2022, early 2023. So what if we get, like, the big next big event film is, like, a Secret Wars? Maybe something related to that. Then I would say July 20, July 26th 
if they're going big X-Men there, I'd put X-Men. If not X-Men, most likely November, July 26th could be uh, another sequel. Yeah. Like Captain America 4, maybe. Actually, July 26th, Captain America 4 makes complete sense. Yeah, that's exactly where I'd put that movie. Um, but those are my thoughts. I think that all makes sense. Um, I Do we have any idea when they might release when... Any idea when they might uh, put titles to these dates? I think they're playing it way closer to the chest. Um, I don't even know if you remember this. It was seven years ago now when they re- they announced the entire Phase 2 slate before any of them had come out, before even, like... Wait, was it the Phase 2 slate? No, I think it was they released the entire Phase 4, the Phase 3 slate, before Avengers 2 had come out. So, A, it removed a lot of, like, the stakes in that film because we're like well shit we know we're getting captain america 3 we know we're getting this movie like we know this leads to this so in what they've done with phase four and you gotta think the first phase four announcement was before covid they only released two years i mean it it was just so much more because there's such a higher concentration per year it didn't Mm. even realize it but they really only did release two years so i would assume uh summer next year is when we'll probably get ideas like and i think it'll be a trickle like I would assume summer-ish next year. We'll probably find out when Fantastic Four is coming out, if that's a 2023 film, which I would most likely put money on. I don't think they're going to want to hold on to that one too long. That's one people are really looking forward to. And then it'll trickle in from there. Well, I'm excited. I mean, I'm always excited. (laughs) So for trailers this week, we got uh, the Hawkeye trailer, which I am wicked excited for. I love Jeremy Renner, and I love Haley Steinfeld, so I cannot wait to see this. Um, I'm a sucker for a Christmas-themed, you know, whether it be show or movie. Iron Man 3, I thought was great, you know, with its Christmas theme, so I'm, I'm wicked excited for this. I, I can only assume you feel the same way. Yeah, no, I mean... I I don't even want to word myself as like a Hawkeye apologist, but I have never for the life of me understood why everybody is just like, oh, I hate Hawkeye. He's so dumb. La, la, la. I'm like, I like Hawkeye. He's not like my favorite like at all, but I just I, I still like him. I have never had a reason to dislike Hawkeye. <laughs> I have gotten in so many arguments. I had a friend in college who talked about how he could beat up Hawkeye and like hawkeye is the avenger that he could take and uh, like i don't know i don't get it hawkeye is still an avenger like he's still an incredibly powerful individual he's literally he's still like a highly trained agent assassin person like no you're still not gonna be able to beat this dude up dude okay i'm just gonna cut to one of my favorite parts of the trailer where he sees someone throwing a molotov so he breaks the window so he can catch it and throw it back dude that was one of the most badass things I've seen in a long time. That was so cool. Dude, I and I just love, like you said, I love the tone that they're presenting with this right. uh, trailer. Uh, the Christmas theme, it gives it's giving huge Shane Black vibes. Like Right. And I, I mean, do we know who is directing this? I don't have that in my notes. I don't know off the top of my head. I can give you a quick little look though. Hawkeye. I think there's going to be something in this that might be one of the funnier uh, things we've seen in a long time, and that's the musical for oh my 
God. Steve Rogers. <laughs> like, I That's can't the wait funniest to see them. damn thing. Think about it. It totally makes sense. Imagine someone like Captain America existed in our world and like you know after saving the universe saving the, the effects of like what he did over his life and then you know he dies oh yeah that's totally something they would do they'd be like oh shit we're gonna like make a movie and then someone's like dude we're gonna make a musical and everybody's just like fuck yeah in this universe we know that there's a tony stark movie um that oh that's right there is a tony musicals. stark movie what is that you reference that it's in, like in guardians 2 isn't it yeah, you see the poster in Guardians 2. It's I think it's called Stark and it's like a total It's Nathan Fillion playing Jobs. Him. Yes, yes. Amazing. So this makes sense within the Marvel universe. We know that these things are happening off-screen. And so I'm excited to see like this musical cuz we I mean like we've shown like it looks like they they go and see it at some point. It definitely looks like it's kind of like a Hamilton kind of like they're going for that kind of tone. Yes. Um. That's it's yeah. I mean this this entire trailer. I was like, I was going to watch Hawkeye, and I was definitely like, ooh, Hawkeye. We're gonna see uh, Kate Bishop played by Haley Steinfeld, like great new character. But then like the tone and how they're doing this, I was like, oh, I'm like, it doubled my excitement. I assume this is like probably the conclusion of hawkeye's story i would assume so too because unlike say hulk and thor who um they still have some longevity like you can still use them like hulk i think is going to stay around in a nick fury-esque role um and thor what we whatever we see from thor after thor 4 i'll be down for hawkeye this seems like the natural conclusion like it's a passing of the baton and i think we're going to see some true like introspection into what he's done you know they're bringing back ronin like Haley steinfeld's kate bishop is dressing as ronin and like there's some clearly it looks like there's some mob people coming after ronin now because of what clint did during the five years like i mean i think some people some people adamantly don't forget and they're like why hasn't he gone to prison and i'm like i'm pretty sure someone was like hey he helped save the fucking universe <laughs> we'll just let it fucking yeah. slide like, I don't know. And, I mean, it's not like, he was a vigilante. Like, it's not like he was out murdering, you know, children. He was fighting, like, I don't know, the Yakuza? I don't even know. He was fighting he was. the Yakuza. There's a reference to him taking out, like, cartels. And, I mean, Right, so he was killing bad guys, vigilante stuff. He was killing like, bad he was guys. A... He was being, like, I mean, we're about to get Moon Knight. Moon Knight kind of does the same thing. <laughs> right, it's going to get worse. Like, we're going to get people who are much worse than Ronan. Like, Moon Knight is psycho. No, Moon Knight literally is a crazy person. And I don't mean that negatively. But it's like, they play on that. No, I can't wait for Moon Knight. Moon Knight's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, sorry. I've mentioned this, I want to say, in both the previous episodes. I love seeing characters dealing with uh, the past. And dealing with their the uh, consequences of their own actions. So seeing him deal with what happened with Ronan, which we only got a glimpse of uh, on screen, mm -hmm. is very exciting to me. Yeah, and I think a lot of people forget, and maybe they just don't see it. Maybe I'm just, I connect to the character. Hawkeye brings a lot of heart to, like, the core of the Avengers in a way. Like, in Avengers 2, I love the farm stuff. I may be in that minority on that i think it works really well i thought that was a great move yeah, for the character. i thought that stuff was great and his connection with wanda 
is so great. That is the only... That's the only way I would want to not see this be the total end for him. Is, like, whatever they right. do with Wanda, like, I don't know. I just feel like they could do something there that would absolutely break my heart. But uh, that's another story. <laughs> that's another, like, like discussion. Um, yeah, yeah. I assume he's not going to die. Like, I think this is going to be him passing the Hawkeye baton. And he, fu- he finally and... does retire like he was joking about right. all through Age of Ultron. Which would allow him to pop up again with Wanda, which I think is a natural thing that they would bring him in to talk to her. I don't know, at some point, maybe. I would love to see that. I was about to say, besides... that was some of the best parts of Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron, and even their little bits in Civil War. Like... Oh, yeah. I, um... I was going to say, besides Vision, the person that Wanda is most connected to is Clint. Like... I think that's just a fact. (laughs) If you go back. So... That is something I could see them doing with this after. <clears throat> um, moving on to like plot, this uh, trailer actually doesn't give a lot plot, a lot away plot wise. And so I heard some people complain, which I love. Yeah, I heard some people complain. It's like I don't even know what this is about, and I'm like, I'm totally cool. I got a tone, I got a vibe, I got to see some cool stuff. I don't need anything else. We're gonna get this. Like we don't. There is such a weird culture around trailers now, and like we discuss trailers, like it's. It's fine, and we've talked about this in our previous trailer discussions, like ver- like Eternals versus Spider-Man. I would rather them go the Eternals and the Hawkeye route rather than what they did with Spider-Man, whereas I understand why they had to show it in the way they did, just because that is such a dense movie. They had to appeal to everyone and get them to understand what the hell's happening, <laughs> but I would also be okay if they didn't release another Spider-Man trailer, which I know is not going to happen. They're going to release another one probably in November. But, yeah, like, 99% of the time, I would prefer a trailer that gives an idea of the tone and maybe glimpses at what we might see, uh, even if that trailer includes things that aren't actually in the final product, over a trailer that over-explains the plot, over-explains what we're going to see, that's basically just a watered-down version of the movie. It's just a synopsis. It's a synopsis, like... You get uh, thankfully, I think they're kind of moving away from that. At least Marvel is. Right. They're still doing where they show a little bit too much here and there. But and I also just think, and this is this may come off a little cocky. I just have a really good memory. So like, I'll be sitting there in the theater, and I'll be like, "Well, I know this is gonna happen because I remember that one shot of him doing this," <laughs> and I hate it. Yeah, I've yeah, and like, it's gotten to a point where like. I normally am pretty decent at just compl- going into a movie, you know, taking everything that I've seen before and just wiping it away. But, like, there have been times where I'm like, oh, I know what's going to happen because I remember this in the trailer. Yeah, it's like... I hate. Yeah, and it's, I hate that. It takes it's, me it's right out of the experience. where it's like, you couldn't piece it together from the trailer, but once you're in the film, if you remember the trailer, you're like, oh, so this, then this. Um, one thing to note: Florence Pugh's Yelena Belova is gonna pop up. And to oh, all yeah, I saw that. the people that are like, I can't wait for Yelena to beat the shit and kill Clint. Uh, what's wrong with you? A. Is that something people are saying? Yes, that's something people are saying. They're like, I can't wait for it. I'm like, A. You're acting like you're a big like Black Widow fan because oh, it's his fault. 
if you understood the character, you would know if Yelena did anything to hurt Clint, Natasha would hate that. Clint is her closest friend. <laughs> like, I don't understand. It's like you just lack a total awareness of the character. Yeah, that, that's like distract. I had no idea that this was a thing that people were saying. That is, like, unbelievable. That makes no sense. I, I feel like it would be an emotional meeting between the two. And, like, there might be a moment of conflict oh, if she gonna, finds it's gonna out be... that Clint... And so, like, it, but that would just be such an emotional moment between these two characters. Like, Clint talking to Natasha's sister. She, she's not going to beat the shit out of him and kill him. Like She might beat the shit out of him. Even, <laughs> she's not going to kill him is what I, is the, the crux of that. Like, there might be some sort of conflict between these two characters because of what happened. But, I mean, like, we see stuff like this all the time in movies where, like, it'll end with them, like, sort of crying and, like, being there for one another because they both loved Natasha. Like, I can see it. You know what I mean? Oh, no, that's 100% what's going to happen is, like, they're going to, um, there's going to be some conflict. It might last an episode because I don't think she's in the entire show. I think she's only going to be in it. I keep forgetting it's a show, dude. <laughs> I was just thinking about it like a movie where I'm like, this will be a five-minute scene, like, no, nothing crazy. I think, I don't think she's supposed to be in the entire show. So if this is keeping with the structure that Marvel has done with their shows, I'm expecting it to be six episodes. Although IMDb is saying it's eight. So I don't know if that means this one's following the half an hour or what content. I'm not sure. We really don't know. But I, I expect her to be in about half the show. Like, I don't think she'll pop up immediately. I think she'll pop up once we establish right. where Clint's at, once we get the introduction to Kate Bishop. You know, you'll get the first bit of main plot and then Yelena will show up she'll be a middle part and then she might show up again at the end like and work with kate and then that'll tease kate's next thing you know that's exactly the the part i think yelena's gonna serve yeah and i i agree completely i was gonna say like we said there's not a lot of plot to dive in oh one other thing i do want to mention is we got the dog i'm pretty sure it's lucky the pizza dog um i love him already and he's gonna be great Anyways, uh, they released a poster for him, didn't they? I if they didn't, they will. <laughs> I think they did. But yeah, so like we don't know a lot plot wise. It looks like it's gonna be a fun romp, and I do think it's gonna dive into like the consequences of what Clint has done in his life. But I'm like with every other Marvel thing we have gone over, I am excited. <laughs> I am also incredibly excited. Now on to our what if review. Um, this week we got the sixth episode. What if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? Um, I, I thought this was great. Uh, it's not my favorite episode of the season, but it is tied probably for my second favorite. Um, I thought it really showed how brilliant Killmonger is um, while holding true to his character from Black Panther, right? They didn't feel the need to rehash his backstory. Um, we just got to see what he would do if he was introduced phase one and he fucking wrecked shop. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with you. This isn't my favorite. I think episode four still stands tall on that. Uh, it would definitely be tied for my second favorite. And what's interesting to note is this one is actually currently on IMDb tied for last which I'm honestly completely confused on. I don't 
I have no idea why people would think that, why that's a consensus. Right now, I thought this episode, aside from episode four with Doctor Strange, had some of the best characterization of an existing character once again. Killmonger, uh, it, like you said, it showed how brilliant he was. Like he, he is an incredibly intelligent individual and he has this goal and it just shows how he can adapt to a certain circumstance. What's interesting to note is once again, it, it starts on the crux of like the title is what if he saved him, but that's not the exact change. The exact change is that he found out about Obadiah Stane's plan to assassinate Tony. That's the actual change. Um, and he acts out of that. So he gets to initiate, he gets to move on this plan of his. I mean, I'm trying to think continuity-wise. I think that would be like six or seven years earlier. I can't totally remember how the timeline works in Phase 1. I don't know how much time passes from Iron Man 1 to Avengers, but probably six or, uh, I'd say about six or seven years earlier. Um, There's just so much going on. It shows how while i t still totally can empathize with the core motivation and where killmonger comes from it still shows that he goes about it very wrong and he's not he's not a hero um <laughs> he is just this person motivated motivated by his rage at like his circumstances and finding out where he should be what he really does belong to and the fact that he was left behind and um given just even the more like social commentary to it it just adds a lot i think if anything this actually adds more to it because you get the conversation and the context with him like really working with wakanda like he goes i don't even know he goes further right I mean, he's able to get Wakanda on his side. It, it really, like, I don't know. I thought it was just, I thought it really showed, like, there's the line, like, I would not like to play chess with you. Like, he plays everybody. He's brilliant. Like, he might be one of the smartest characters in the MCU, and we're shown that in this episode. He's one of the smartest, like, strategy wise i mean he's also obviously incredibly intelligent outside of that but like how he can play and just make moves like if i do this and if i play here and here also i think the body count outside of zombies this movie has the highest i mean episode has the highest body count like shit killmonger kills t'challa he kills Rhodey. he kills kill he kills a uh, claw again <laughs> he um i think that's it right that's all four. That's the four characters I think he kills. So, but yeah. I think another thing that's really interesting is that through it all, he um Shuri is still one of the ones who's like, no, this isn't right. <laughs> there's something still wrong here. But yeah, I mean there's a bunch you could discuss in this episode. Like Did you notice how the drones had a similar head to the ones that um whiplash uh, what's his name ivan vanko makes in iron man 2 yeah i also noticed so with this change in situation the hearings at the beginning of like 
of Iron Man 2 don't happen. So the military is able to get, you know, the Stark tech because Tony obviously didn't have this crazy change of heart because of Iron Man, right? So we see how big of an effect Tony not being in that cave had. Yeah, I really liked the new interpretation of his little press conference scene where he's like, I saw, he still says the same line where he's like, I saw young Americans killed with the very weapons I've made. Um, and But his reaction is now we're going to go back bigger. We're going to go back stronger. He doesn't have that introspection that he gets from being in the cave, which I think the Watcher's line is heroes aren't born, they're forged, which I thought was really good. Um, What are some other things? The funny moment where Happy was just like, oh, that should be my job, just the jab, because Happy does actually get the job that uh, Killmonger is given at first by Tony. Right. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yeah, I mean, it was wicked upsetting. <clears throat> It was wicked upsetting to see Tony die. Um, that early on, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a ton to say about it. I thought it was a great episode. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it, it. It's not one that really opens up to a lot of discussion. The biggest um, question I have out of it is: Do you? Th- how far do you think Killmonger takes Wakanda from here? Because it still sets up that like there is a hope that he will be stopped because Sherry goes to uh, Pepper. Right. And so it's interesting. I've seen somebody, somebody tweeted something about how we, we've gotten glimpses of all the episodes that end in a cliffhanger. We've gotten like little glimpses of them like uh, in trailers right so like i think there's like some scene where you see pepper and shuri doing something in one of the trailers so like i think we will return to these universes and like possibly see like a coalesce like it'll coalesce into this one thing maybe maybe or at the very least like possibly season two we'll get the conclusion of these stories i don't know but i think we will return to these universes with these major changes. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. Um, like we said, though, there's not like a s- bunch of super in-depth things to talk about. I think, uh, just kind of reiterate, it continues the strong characterization and writing for Killmonger's character. I think another interesting thing to point is that because T'Chaka doesn't die, T'Chaka's still in charge of Wakanda, he's still the king, that Killmonger is able to use Wakanda and have Wakanda completely on his side because T'Chaka is not as, like, pure of a soul, I guess, or, like, as good of a person, truly, as T'Challa is. He still has that darkness in him, and he's still, like, he's almost of that belief that Wakanda is better in the way that it kind of meshes more with Killmonger. I mean, I totally agrees, but yeah. So what did you rate this episode out of five? Like I said, it ties for my second favorite episode, which was uh, episode three, the murder mystery one. So it's a four out of five. Yep. I gave it the same. Uh, I gave it a four out of five. Good episode. Really crazy change that I think, um, 
was really fun to see, you know, Tony Stark not become Iron Man and see how that affects his character and uh, really give some, a little bit more, I feel like it gave some more depth to Killmonger and how brilliant he is. Yeah, I think it just adds to his character. And I think, yeah, I agree. Another funny thing to note is just how many times they've killed Tony Stark and what if. <laughs> oh, I know. It's got to be on purpose. Oh, it's got to be on purpose just to mess with people. And lastly, we are going to be reviewing Malignant. Malignant is a new horror movie directed by James Wan. James Wan, um, outside of like Mike Flanagan right now, is probably the most popular name in like modern horror. Ari Aster's getting there, but then Ari Aster's films are a little a little bit more I don't even want to I guess art house is the best way to describe it. They're a little I, bit I think that's a perfectly fine way of describing it. They're definitely, you know, <laughs> Art housey. Art housey. So, for a general public standpoint, James Wan and Mike Flanagan are probably the two biggest names in horror right now. I mean, James Wan, he started Saw. He did. He built The Conjuring. It's a universe now. And he, even, he did the first two Insidious films. So, uh, to start off, though, this is going to be probably a, the most interesting discussion we've had as of yet because Parker and I don't yeah. necessarily see eye to eye. <laughs> We, yeah, we, we've talked a little bit about the movie and um, definitely don't agree. Uh, so, I will say this came out last Friday. We weren't able to watch it and put it into the last podcast, so we're a tiny bit late. Um, I watched it last night. When what, When did you watch it? I watched it Friday night. Oh, when it dropped? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay, word. All right, so yeah, you saw it last week, and I just wasn't able to make it work. But um, yes. if you want to go ahead and talk about why you like it. So basically, like, uh, you know, behind the scenes we discussed, like, hey, are we going to watch this? Do you want to review this? And this is one of the movies that just kind of made the cut because I did watch it last Friday. So initial reviews. So this movie's really, I guess, polarizing is the best way to re- describe it. It's one of those movies that I think – I think Parker might actually be in the minority of having like issues, but still enjoying it. Like a lot of people I've either seen say this is the worst movie I've ever seen, or this movie is just awesome. Um, so like I was intrigued and it dropped on HBO max. So I was like, Hey, I'll watch it. And the opening scene just told me everything I need to know about this movie. And I was just in the right mindset and the tone and the feel of this movie just kind of – I kind of just went with it, and I enjoyed the hell out of the ride. This movie is campy as hell. It, In my opinion, I think it were, it's, it sustains a good amount of camp throughout. I think there's a small dip at, like, the middle of the first act. Like, the movie could have been trimmed down a bit. But essentially – this is one of the weirdest and most wildest fucking movies I've ever seen. Like, I don't even know how to start talking about it. It's just so fucking weird. So, like, I'll agree. I feel like it started really strong. And I saw that first scene, and I, I thought I knew what I was getting into. Like, I thought I completely understood. I was like, okay, this is, like, really campy. Um, But I felt it wasn't 
consistent with that level of camp. It, it went in different directions with the, the, I guess, like type of camp that it was going for. Like at times it felt like a complete parody. And then at other times I felt it took itself more seriously. And that inconsistency I had an issue with. Um, I felt the ending was fantastic with the twist. Um, but overall, I think that inconsistency is what keeps me from loving this movie versus just like enjoying it for what it was. Yeah, so this movie probably has one of the wildest twists I've ever seen. Like the whole concept that she had a parasitic twin just in her body still. Like, that's insane. That's just absolutely crazy. But the twist is what makes this movie work. Yeah, the twist is the the reason that this movie is even remotely okay in my book. Which is so, it's so upsetting to me because it's such a genius twist. I mean, American Horror Story did something similar, but they based it off of the actual, like, case study of the dude who had, like, the face on the back of his head that told Mm -hmm. him to do things. I Mm -hmm. I wish I had written this down in my notes. I can't remember his name. But it's so genius to take that and make it into a horror movie. Uh, Hotel, maybe? Oh, yeah. I I could be completely off. I I don't really remember. I want to say it was Hotel. Either way, I think it is a genius idea as a basis for this movie. And I think this movie could have been amazing. We know James Wan makes fantastic horror. The Conjuring is like one of my favorite horror movies ever made. And this twist is so good. And the writing is good too because you mentioned this to me in one of our brief conversations. He does such a great job at making the twist work. It's not like it comes out of nowhere. You get hints of it throughout the film and so like this i feel like this movie could have been really really good and really really campy but i felt like it just didn't it didn't quite balance it well am i yeah so the i think we can both agree outside of the twist uh james wan's like kind of direction and the cinematography are probably some of its greatest strengths uh there are some shots in this movie that are just great like in the first act before you even have a complete idea what's even kind of happening there's the overhead shot of her running through the house and it's like you're looking at a model of a house she's running in she's on the bottom floor but some of it's an open layout and so it's just like it it's so good and that works too on another level when you find out later due to the twist that she's not even doing that she's locked in her own head she's locked in a box so it's almost like you're inside that head of her just running around in a house and it's like crazy to think back on i was just gonna say yeah so that scene like shows like the level at which James Wan is working at the cinematography in this film is really good. And there's some fantastic shots throughout the film. Um, like that's one, like I have a note here and that's literally just cinematography was fantastic. Like (laughs) I, I had no issues with it. I mean, there were some great Dutch angles, which worked with that with that campiness, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, Dutch angles um, are campy, isn't it? In and of itself, and I point. love it. Like that's the kind of shit that I love. Like the first scene when they're working with those Dutch angles, which happens, it has to happen like a couple of times throughout the film. I I love that stuff. So that was fantastic and was absolutely elevated it for me. That and the twist were the two things that I absolutely loved. 
yeah, like this is a weird. It's clearly going for like a B more B movie horror vibe with the camp, right. but it's like you can still tell that there is a level of budget to it that mo- a movie like this wouldn't have just with the cinematography. Um but like, I was going to say I in a weird way, I would say I guess like the twist 70% right. And it's like I don't know like, I discussed this with Parker already, but it's, like, I don't know if it's just the way it's shot, and I was kind of tired when I watched it, but when her husband, like, smacks her into the wall and her head gets smashed, I was like, there's something important about this. I don't know what. I don't know if it's just obvious, and I'm just trying to act smarter than I am, <laughs> but I was just like, there is something important about this, and then you notice, like, anytime she wakes up, her head is still bleeding, and I'm like, she was in the hospital. Why is her head still bleeding? Like, I mean it just kind of creeped up and then like when it, she there was like she's always touching the back like it was just there's a lot of little inklings in the back of my head and as soon as it was just like oh it's this voice i still hear like it's my imaginary friend i'm like yo what if she has like they're just gonna straight voldemort this and it's like she has like a twin on the back of her fucking head <laughs> i was yeah, kind of okay all right i was definitely in the I, I was so confused because for a minute I was like, this has got to be like spiritual, similar to the conjuring with demons. But then there's the, the chase scene where it's like, oh, this is like absolutely a physical being. Like, yeah, this is not spiritual. And that's when I really was confused. I didn't I did not guess the, the ending at all. So if you notice in those chase scenes, and I think it's specifically the second murder that she witnesses, you know, before you realize what's going on, the guy, yeah. the doctor in the bed. If you look, he maintains how she is actually moving. Like the per the it moves weird before you realize what's going well, on. It's moving like backwards, right? So like her arms are backwards. And like yeah. I noticed that and I was like, Oh, that's really creepy. I thought it was just a stylistic choice, but it yeah. works with the twist so well. And that's the that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, is like it's creepy, but it's like in a lesser movie, they wouldn't have even had that consistent. That that whole way it moves would just be like it wouldn't have been until the last act where you're like, wait, it's actually moving backwards. And also, <laughs> one thing I'd like to note, why is Gabriel super strong? <laughs> I don't understand the strength. So what, that what kind of hell? thing that kind of thing I feel like Works it's just, for you me have to because it's it. like the supernatural, like it, oh, it's just like Michael Myers is just really strong, or like Scream has these crazy abilities, or yeah. Ghostface, I guess. But it's so just, I, I just think that comes with it being like a quote unquote slasher or whatever. Yeah, which I like. I'm okay with that. I can accept that any day of the week. I mean, I and I accept it. That is not a problem I have with the movie. I just think it's funny. It's just like, why the fuck? <laughs> Like, she can twist heads. She's, like, breaking necks. She's ripping things out of people. Like, breaking arms just by going... It's just... The third act in the police uh, department. I loved it. It's ridiculous. But I was like, holy shit. I know you said you had an issue with the CGI. Yeah, so I have that note here. Like, I feel like when I think of a campy horror movie, I see like practical gore that is you know the blood is like it like that's not what blood looks like that looks like bright red or or orangey red you know what i mean so when you see like these blood 
like spatters when he's like stabbing people. Um, it looks, I mean, like it looks like a, a so at some points like a video game graphics. Like I felt like that took me out of it so much. Like I would much rather like just throw some money and do some practical effects. It goes such a long way. So just to kind of counter, and I'm not even necessarily saying I agree with this. I do think that is almost that over the top and like the, the way it's CGI'd is like not necessarily like a new age camp, but to the level it's done in this, it's still the same effect. It's just using modern tech. And I'm not saying it's better, but there are other films and stuff where I've seen that, but they still kind of mix it. And I think if this movie had just decided to mix it, like where it's at least on the surface of the actors, there's still some physical like blood, like prop blood. I think it would have elevated it a tiny bit to that level of camp. If you fall. Yeah, I, I could definitely see a mixture. Um, I just felt that it it was too far on the the like VFX or whatever CGI kind of aspect of it. Whereas if it was a mixture, I'd be okay with that. I would have preferred if you're going to make like a campy, borderline parody esque film. Like I don't know, the, practical is always the way to go. I think. Yeah, and I, I'm 100% in agreement. I do think practical is always better. I think the best route, and I guess when you, like, you're specifically talking with this genre, yeah, practical is better. Um, so, a quick question. So, like, in the end, in the third act, there are two just absolute, like, massacre scenes. Do you think the police station one is better or the, like, reveal one in the jail cell? Um... The jail cell, I thought, was a lot better. I will say my favorite shot is after the police one, and that's when the the main cop, I can't remember his name, uh, is talking to the main character. I'm So, listeners, I am awful with names, and it's not going to get better. Uh, when the police chief is talking to the main character, and it's the shot of her in the jail cell with all the dead cops around her, that shot is class. That was so good. But I think the jail cell fight was a lot better. I felt like I felt that was more real. Whereas the fight scene with the cops felt like a video game. Like it looked like a video game to me. I thought the CGI was terrible in that scene. Yeah, and I will agree with you. I do think the jail cell one does better because it's not just like the 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 police one is essentially just an action scene. It's just an action scene. Whereas the um the jail cell one is still playing with that kind of like horror it's camp, but it's still playing in that horror slasher realm, you know? Uh, and it's just, it's so funny just watching everybody react to, which for a lot of people is at the same time, like, Holy shit. What the fuck is this? I will say one of the best uses of practical effects is when the, her sister and her mom are watching the videos that the sister got from like the, and the reveal of the twin on the back. Because, like, that's the part of the twist I didn't get. Is like, holy shit, this is, a, like, a fully formed being. Well, not fully formed. But, you know, like, it's got the full skeleton. Like, there's arms. There's legs. Its face was actually on the back of her head. And I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. That was so good. Like, that is just class, like, kind of gross horror, uh, like, campy, weird stuff. That scene was fantastic. That scene in the first scene 
are like yeah. I feel elevate elevate the movie as a whole. And but, that one, uh, that shot. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say the other one I, we mentioned is like uh, the other one we had mentioned. <laughs> You're gonna have to edit a bit out now because this was like in conversation. I was gonna say the other shot we had mentioned that is another great use of the camp is when like the main character sister is talking to her as you find out adopt like her adopted sister well she's the adopted one and she's like i was adopted and you're just like like the whole music and like the sister's face that was great so like i i enjoyed that but it felt tonally inconsistent like that level of camp I felt didn't match up with the other levels of camp. Like that almost felt like a parody, right? Where like it's making fun of these types of movies. But then I felt so like that, that's one of the issues I had with the movie. That scene would have been amazing if it had kept with the camp of the first scene, right? Cause that first scene is totally like not serious, like making fun of these kinds of movies. And so had it continued with that, uh, like been consistent with that amount of campiness, the scene would have hit better for me. But because it was like, I don't know, like it started taking itself seriously and like, oh, here's some domestic abuse for you. <laughs> so like it was so weird. It, it just didn't work for me. Here's some domestic abuse for you. Dude, it was so weird. So like I'm going to – the trailer for this movie – holistically mismarkets it the trailer makes it seem like standard current james wan horror fair where it is like supernatural and it's a fair it's effect it's tense there's this atmosphere you have no inkling that this is a campy film that this is a ridiculous film you get the idea that i was leaning that this was more of an insidious level film than necessarily a conjuring but i would literally before reviews came out and before obviously seeing the first scene the first scene keys you into exactly what they were going for what their attempt was the trailer is totally just like "Ooh, what is this demon thing that's lurking around and then you're like what the fuck she has a twin in her head (laughs) yeah overall i can appreciate what the movie was doing yes and it just didn't work for me in lesser hands, I think this would have been a god-awful, terrible film. I think there are not a lot of directors currently working that A, could have gotten this movie made on the level it was made, and then B, even gotten it to the point it is. I think, you know what's an interesting take? Imagine Del Toro doing this movie. I feel like it just would have been more serious. It wouldn't have had the camp aspect to it. Yeah. I also think it would have scared the shit out of me. But had, like, Raimi gotten this, it would have been all out camp. Oh, my God. And so I I think Juan could have had something great that walked the line. And it just did not work for me personally. Yeah. And, Uh, I mean, so bottom line... I enjoyed this movie than Parker did, but I think it's it'll a it'll become a current um, something that'll become more apparent as obviously we get further and further with this podcast. Is I'm a little bit more forgiving. Is if in the end, 
of the film i am still like dude holy shit i enjoyed that a lot like i if you end well i will forgive the mistakes of your first act it is if you end poorly i'm going to forget the greatness of your first act if that makes sense like i'm i'm some of that i'm that person yeah and i can agree with that um like literally the twist is the only reason i'm even kind of talking so highly of this movie um because it ended in a way that i felt elevated the film as a whole yeah um what did you give this out of five so when I initially reviewed it, as you probably saw on my letterbox, it was a 3.5, but I had since re-rated that to a 3 out of 5. Oh, okay. We're, so we're not that far off. I gave it a 2.5 out of 5. I thought it was right on the line of being... So anything above 50%, I, I enjoyed. Anything below, I didn't enjoy. This is right on that line of enjoyment. I appreciate it. Um... But I think there was uh, enough there that took away from the enjoyment that I can't really like put it in the positive. Uh, but the good stuff was so good that I can't really put it in the negative either. So it's right on that line for me. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I liked it a lot. But I'm one of those people that like I, I, I think this movie had a ceiling with what they were doing i don't think this movie could have gone higher than a seven even if it was really great in my mind i still would have been like it's still a seven but it's like it's just the degrees of how and it, there's a nuance to how people rate things honestly you can just cut everything i just said because that sounded like nonsense um i just enjoyed this it worked for me on a level that i'll definitely this will be a movie i can see myself revisiting just for the hell of it for the fun of it like, it's just a ridiculous movie. Um, and one thing I'll say is I kind of just want to see Juan take another crack at a film in this kind of area. Oh, but yeah, just absolutely. go back and see if he can fine tune it, smooth it out. Because then I think it, it, it could be just really good. Right. Like, I will always give directors at least the benefit of the doubt if they are going for something new and going for something fun. Um, This is absolutely a movie I can see myself getting drunk and showing my friends around Halloween, you know? Like, this is a fun movie to watch with friends and kind of, like, tear apart and laugh at the... the, uh, Not necessarily even tear apart because the movie is so self-aware, but laugh at that, you know what I mean? It's just... It's the absurdity of it. It is, like, this movie is laughing at itself, and so you can sit there and laugh at it like laugh with it at itself um yeah and that's exactly this is a movie that you would like mystery science 3000 what is it mystery science theater 3000 whatever it is um but yeah i think that's pretty much all we got i mean this is one of those weird movies like i'm not gonna say go out and watch it this is a movie that if you like ridiculous just ridiculousness in films and like that kind of old school like slasher campy vibe you'll probably enjoy it it it's pretty graphic in the end but like we've said it's mostly cgi so that about does it for this episode um 
We're going to be taking a one-week hiatus because I'm going on vacation. I'll be in New York City. When we come back, we're going to have a few smaller episodes where we'll discuss the news over the next two weeks, uh, review Visions, the first episode of Foundation, um, and then whatever else, uh, like What If for the next two weeks, um, and any trailers that might pop up. Yeah, so you'll probably get like three 30 to 40-minute episodes. Um within like a solid week and a half span um right expectations for visions uh it really depends on how well we take to visions on how in depth we go overall what i most likely foresee happening is it is nine episodes there each their own thing so you'll probably get some where we dive in deeply some where we're just kind of like yeah this was cool i like this concept here and here so but that'll probably be split between two episodes as well yes um so we will see you in two weeks thank you so much for listening please share with your friends if you like what you've heard